This is episode one of the TM Golfcast. My name is Tad Myers, and I got to sit down with assistant teaching professional Patrick Kane. He is the assistant teaching professional at Nemecolin Golf Academy at Nemecolin Woodlands Resort, and he is a, also a Penn State alumni. He's been to the Country Club of Brookline. He's also studied under Jim McLean at his golf schools, and he's gotten to also learn a lot of club fitting and club building from the guys at uh, True Spec Golf down in Doral, Florida, before they moved to Phoenix. This is episode one, and he talks about his story from how he came into the game of golf to how he worked here at Nemecolin Woodlands Resort. And so this is episode one. I hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you for listening again. Here is Patrick Kane in episode one. Episode one. And uh, I'm with Patrick Kane. You've been really busy lately. Yeah, insanely busy, <laughs> nonstop, which is a good thing. It's been crazy. I mean, the amount of clubs, lessons, and fittings we've done in the past, I don't know, two weeks has been nonstop, which is always a good thing. That's a good thing. You took Aaron Star sixth place. How's that been? It's good. So I have more of a teaching role than Aaron did. Um, you know, I'll give you my background here in a little bit, but I came in. It's been coming up on six months now. Aaron uh, was just a club builder and club fitter. And, kind of taught occasionally uh he's you know since moved on i've come in and took the role of, of an assistant instructor for eric johnson the top 100 director of instruction here at nimicolin and uh teaching fitting and building just non-stop now you like the more teaching side yeah i'm more of a teaching side so before here i was working at jim mclean uh golf schools down in Doral, florida and uh you know fitting and building was kind of a hobby and uh watched a lot of great fitters and builders over time so I've learned a lot from those guys. How much building did you do in Florida like with Jim McLean? Did you do a lot or were you more teaching? Uh, they didn't do any building or fitting at Jim McLean. There was a company called TruSpec. TruSpec does a lot oh, of yeah. fittings and they, they build all their clubs right on site. Well, they since now have moved to Phoenix um, but I hung out with those guys. Uh, Ryan Cole especially, he's helped me out tremendously as far as the building side of it and then watching him fit as well has been you know, an awesome experience. How long were you down in Florida? From like, was that your first? Because you went to Penn State for PGM. Yeah, I did the PGM program at Penn State, and then I did my internships, and that was like my last internship. Oh, okay. What was your what, are, what was your other two internships? I had actually three before that. So I worked at the Country Club of Brookline, uh, up in Boston, just outside outside of the city. Uh, one before that was at St. Clair Country Club, uh, just outside of Pittsburgh, and then uh, Westmoreland Country Club, uh, just outside of Chicago. Okay, cool. So the, did you did you like the more of the, the pro shop style, the head professional role, or were you more into the fitting, the teaching area? Uh, I was more in the teaching more than anything else. Uh, like I said, fitting and building was a hobby. Um, teaching was something I've always wanted to do and something I will continue to do, and hopefully I don't ever retire. Um, it was kind of funny how it all came about. I was sitting in class one day, and I really couldn't make up my, my mind as far as what I really wanted to do. And... You go to a PGM school, uh, everyone's kind of geared more towards being an assistant and then a head professional or a director of golf or a GM of a, you know, a nice country club, but not a lot of people look down different avenues. So being a PGA professional, which I will be here shortly, uh, is nice, but there's so many different things that you can do with it. We're experts at the game of golf, not just one thing. 
So if you look at all the great professionals that are out there, like Bob Ford, uh, Brendan Walsh, they can play, they can teach, they can run tournaments, they do merchandise, they do everything, and they do it extremely well. So, you know, I, I didn't want to limit myself just towards teaching until I fully developed all my other skills mm-hmm. to a point I was comfortable with. Obviously, I'm not, you know, some expert in tournament or merchandising. <laughs> like, I know how to do some of this stuff, but I'm not, you know, not anywhere near close to where Bob Ford or Brendan Walsh are currently, and I'll never get to that point because I'm following teaching. Um, but... To be a really good professional, I just wanted to be well-rounded, so I just sought out the best places to work and the best professionals to work for. And, you know, I took some of their their things and what their styles and blended it with other professionals, and I just learned a lot along the way. But what happened was I, you know, I was hanging out with Eric Johnson in high school, and I was working with him on my game, and uh, one thing led to another. It was just like I loved what he did. He had so much fun teaching, and it, like, kind of sparked an interest in teaching. And I figured, you know what? It's like I love the golf swing. I love studying the golf swing. I love talking to people nonstop. Like, just merge the two together, and it just made sense. So after the first internship, it was like, all right, I'm just going to be a teacher. Like, set in stone. Like, I have nothing else in the world I want to do. I just want to teach from sunup to sundown. Awesome. That, that is cool. Like, have you, I, I didn't know you knew Eric before. Did you know him? You said you were in high school when you knew yeah, him. That yeah. was really cool. How so, did you get to meet him? I ended up caddying at Oakmont my junior senior year so I wanted to work on my game and he was a director of instruction there instruction there and he ended up being a top 100 instructor and I was just like oh my god like that's perfect like he obviously knows a lot and he's well respected in the golf community so I, I started hanging out with him and it wasn't just lessons it was you know a mentorship and a friendship just based on the love of teaching and He's given me a lot of insight and a lot of direction as far as um, through school, through life, through teaching golf, um, and just becoming a better person. So I, I latched on to him just because he's such a great guy, um, and he's an awesome teacher, amazing teacher, but just the personality that he has and the way he, you know, strives to be better every single day, it was just like, you know, couldn't couldn't ask for a better person to follow yeah, he, in their he is footsteps. Really good guy. He is yeah. really good to learn under, and if there's... If anybody, I think, to t- to mentor under or, or you know be a proje, Eric Johnson is definitely yeah one of the highest. Yeah, so absolutely. And then you know working for Jim McLean, that was even just as great. I mean, that was that was awesome working for them and studying Jim and watching him give lessons was awesome. And I learned a lot from him. Um, and then Eric said, you know, Aaron left. This is what's happening, and here I am. So. That was in November when they offered me a position, and uh, I just couldn't pass it down. It was just such a great opportunity. How did they hear about you? Like, like, did you apply for here at Nemico? No, or? actually, I didn't apply. So Eric and I talked, and we talked quite frequently throughout you know the seven years, and um, we were very close. He's come up to Penn State multiple times to speak with the student society, and he's come up just to you know hang out, and it's he just knew that at that point in time like I called him and I said look this is this is what's going on and he's like just come work for me oh, I was wow. like hands down like alright I'm, I'm, I'm coming like I don't care what you pay me I, w- I will scrub toilets I don't really care what I do as long as I get to learn from you and see how you do things I'm all in oh wow he, I mean having that kind of uh, 
attitude towards wanting to work somewhere really takes you far. I think you have to do, especially in this industry, how you, it, the golf industry is definitely a, a servant industry. You have yeah. to, you have to do that. And so we're here to make people happy and give them an experience they'll never forget. And I think that's the one thing that another driving factor is Nimicolon. Like if you look at what we do here, not just in the golf academy. The golf academy is, I think, from all the places I've seen and all the professionals I've studied, we're beyond. We're light years ahead of what everybody else is doing. But if you look at every little thing that we do here at Nimicolon, from the hotels to the golf courses, the golf shop, um, you know, the Sundial Lodge, a- anywhere you go on property, I think the service is beyond what is expected. And our slogan is expect the unexpected, but we actually live that. You know, hand-delivering golf clubs that we just build, delivering them out to the golf course within an hour. They're ready to hit. They're ready to roll. Like, yeah. The little things here that matter, and I think that's what actually drove me here because that's my mentality. The little things do matter, and it adds up to the big picture. And if it's one thing, like if something needs to be done, no matter what your job title is, we all do it here. We all have the same goal, and we're working towards reaching that goal together as a team. Yeah, that's it kind of makes it feel like a small home. Like, we'll deliver a club right to the golf course. I mean, we, we're all connected. Yeah. And it gives it the... the best gives the customer and, and the the golfer who's on property the best experience possible because that's what the golf industry is you have to it's an experience yeah absolutely. absolutely yeah so let's just just explain like where you're at now and then let's just circle back uh, just go back to where you started how you started in the game of golf how you started in the industry and just circle back to now yeah yeah absolutely so i uh played hockey all my life and Ended up having two week concussions when I was 16, 17, that age, uh, right in there. And unfortunately, I had to give it up. The doctor said, no more. Find something that, uh, you know, is obviously competitive, uh, but no contact. So at that point in time, I thought it was either tennis or golf. And I was just like, all right, not really that attracted to playing tennis. And golf really got my attention just because of the challenge. it's not the easiest game. I think it's probably the hardest sport in the world just because there's so many moving parts. And um, on a side note, I think it's hilarious that the ball's not moving. But yeah. somehow it's always impossible to hit. Like, people have the hardest time hitting a golf ball that's not moving. But, you know, if someone's throwing a football, people can catch it. There's so many different components to golf. So I think that really interests me in the sense of uh, the challenge. And from there, uh, started playing and caddying at Oakmont and, it got the bug hard. Like, couldn't stop playing, couldn't stop thinking about golf, sun up to sundown, uh, would take a lantern to a putting green at night, and I would stay out there until, you know, the next morning practically, probably till 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, and it was just hooked. So from there, I was like, I wanted to play college golf. Uh, I wasn't good enough for D1. Tried to potentially walk on in a couple places, but it wasn't really anything special. I was, I was okay. I wasn't anything special. And... Uh, at that point, it was like PGM. Like, I want to be around golf as much as possible, be around, you know, human conversations and interactions and, you know, helping people out with their games and, you know, helping people realize how, how great the game is and what it can do for people. So I uh, actually decided not to go to PGM school, the PGM program, and I went to Furman University uh, in South Carolina for a year. Oh, wow. Uh, so from there, I came back home that summer and was caddying. Uh, at Oakmont and one of the assistant pros by the name of uh, Jimmy Tyrone who's a 
great instructors. The head, uh, the director of instruction at Catanza Club up in Boston or Massachusetts, outside the city, and then uh, also teaches at the Breakers down in West Palm. You know, after talking to him, it was like, all right, Penn State's where I need to be, and you know, fortunately, he helped me help me get there and pulled some strings, made a few phone calls for me, and uh, ended up getting in. And uh, can't say one bad thing since. It's been awesome to you know associate myself with such a great program, great alumni. Um, and just a great university as a whole and have given me so many different opportunities and so many different places to learn um, not only to become a better professional but a better human being and uh, a more rounded person as well. So I did my four internships. I did Westmoreland Country Club, uh, my first one in Chicago. Second one was St. Clair just outside of Pittsburgh. Third one was the Country Club of Brookline. And the fourth was uh, Jim McClain Golf Schools down in Doral, Florida. And then from there, I was going to stay on with Jim, uh, and then this position at Nimcoln opened up and came in to replace Aaron Starzik, uh, who was just a fitter and a builder. Uh, it was a really good fitter and builder, and this role that I took over is more of an assistant instructor, but I fit, build, you know, teach, help out with the inventory, day-to-day operations, so I, I pretty much do all of it. I'm not just contained to one piece. Um, Eric likes to get around and goes, hey, he's a jack of all trades, he can do anything. And that's what I want to be known for, just being able to do anything right now. But you know, down the road, I just want to be really known as a, a really good teacher, which I have a long ways to go. So how long were you actually at Doral with Jim McLean Golf School? Uh, right around four months. So right before they moved. So they were at Doral, and then they moved to the Biltmore. And at that point, so I went down uh, beginning of May, and then I left before the hurricane right around that time. Wow. And so now you're at Nemecola Woodlands Resort. What's it like been, how, how, what's it like being here and, and what's the atmosphere like? That's awesome. Uh, not only, you know, accepting the job, I knew I was going to work for a great mentor, a great friend, and a great PGA professional and just a great human in general as Eric Johnson um, is the director of instruction. But um, I knew the standards here were high and how we strive to achieve greatness not on you know not in just in the golf department but from all aspects of the resort I knew I wanted to be a part of something something like this um, and being associated with people that are highly driven and highly motivated to exceed expectations so I, that's that was you know besides working for Eric it was seeing seeing something a lot bigger than just one small operation really motivated me to come here um, and just knowing that uh, this business will never fail uh, and that, the attitude of whatever it takes to get done is my attitude um, it, it just fitted me perfectly to a T. Now you do a lot of the club building here that seems like what you've been mainly doing but you're a big teacher as well. Yeah um, I, my background is more teaching uh, fitting and building was a hobby um, studying shafts and the profiles of each shaft was something I would do in class. I don't know if my parents want me to or want to hear that, but um, you know, when people were looking at sports and different things in class, it was like either I was paying attention to class or I was studying different shafts and like just looking at different shafts and kind of like tinkering with different ideas and seeing what each manufacturer was coming out with and just the weaving patterns in the, in the, uh, in the shafts and how things were made, it just really caught my attention. And then the fitting side, uh, or the building side of it, really came from uh, as a hobby. You know, I was just like, well, 
I'll just take apart my old set of clubs and try to put them back together kind of a thing. And then it spiraled into, well, if somebody needed something done um, at school, I could always say help them out. And learning how to do grips without a vice and, like, learning how to do little things here and there kind of built up. And obviously the internships, too, um, really helped. So at the Country Club Brookline, we did a lot of club building there. Um, and that was a lot of fun. And I think that really helped me get to the next level. And then going down to Florida working for Jim, um, there was a, we shared a building with Truespec, and they had, their headquarters was there before they moved it to Phoenix, and they did a lot of building in, in that built shop, so I got to watch those guys, especially Ryan Cole, um, who's an awesome pitter and a builder, he just built nonstop, and just seeing how he did things, it, uh, it also helped, and then went down and went on the, uh, tour van with the Champions Tour, the thing, they only have one van since it's, uh, a smaller, well, I wouldn't say smaller tour, but all the manufacturers just kind of condensed to one van so they can get everything in and out, you know, a little bit smoother than trucking in oh, six yeah. or seven yeah. different tour vans. Um, so I went down with Mike Bertha, who helped me out extremely, really extremely helped me out with building and getting a little bit more confidence behind it, but a lot of it was just self-motivated and self-taught. Okay. So, like, since you're a big club, you, you're club building is a hobby how often do you tinker with your clubs oh all the time <laughs> all the time it's a it's a bad habit um especially when you can only play golf with like a few clubs which i've learned <laughs> that i'm not that bad at golf with just a few clubs um but no I, I i try not to do it that much and but it's kind of hard when you have a full build shop and different things to try and it's, it's definitely hard to stay away from tinkering with your own clubs. What do you got in your bag now? Well, like, what does what your bag makeup set? Oh, the whole bag? Yeah. So I'm on staff with Callaway. Uh, major shout-out to Josh Thompson for uh, hooking me up. And Callaway in general, they've been awesome to, you know, be associated with. A great company. Um, they've taken care of me. But I have Mac Daddy 4 wedges in my bag. The one I, I self-grinded myself. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah, I like to do that, too. Give a little personal touch and change up the bounce and try to change up the little little things, the grind angles and how the club actually sits. So I, I bent my 56 to a 55. I go 50, 55, 60, and then the 55 is the one I, I tend to uh, use the most. So I, I did a little grind on that, try to get the face to sit a little bit more open, and then took away bounce on it. And pretty good i love them and then from there on up i have the uh excuse me i have the uh, x forge irons uh four through pitch and i have the kbs tour v shafts in them love them ball speeds are unbelievable for you know closer to a blade than uh a forgiving iron it's it's unbelievable ball speeds are great and and those then, ball speeds on the apex irons are, are really good at the moment yeah still yeah they're awesome they're really good and uh I have a three wood, rogue three wood, rogue driver, not the sub zero. I probably should have done the sub zero, but uh, I have an Acra Extreme uh, Tour issued shaft in there, and then I just have the even flow, stock even flow of the three wood. I can't. That's that's one I'm struggling with right now, trying to figure out what I want to put in that, and I still still can't do that. But no, it's a it's a good set makeup, and then uh, oh yeah, for the putter, I'm uh, in between putters at the moment, so. We'll figure that one out. It's probably going to be something for too long, but we'll see. Now, we've talked about this before, and, and you were talking about Acra shafts. They're graphite shafts, but 
you're saying that a lot of guys on tour right now are switching to graphite shafts. Yeah, there's a good there's a good margin. Um, really, it's just Aerotech with, with steel fiber shafts that have been around for a, a few seasons now. So like Brant was playing them, I think he switched back to steel. Freddie Couples, Ben Crane, uh, Matt Kuchar. I think that's it for the moment, but they're good shafts. Um, high launching, low spinning, and the way I think about it is I, I tore my shoulder up. I've always wanted something a little bit lighter and something a little bit more manageable, and my theory behind it is if you have something that you can swing the same in the first hole as you do in the last hole, no matter if it's 18 holes or 36 holes in a day, you want to have that same feeling because obviously you're going to get drained at the end of the round. Oh, and man. swinging an extremely heavy shaft from beginning to end does, does wear you out a little bit. Now, I know I've, I've had this issue with myself, but like when you're fitting yourself for shafts and, and heads, how much of like the ego comes into play? Because like with me, I know I want to play like you know blades, and I want to put like you know real heavy shafts in them. Because you know I feel yeah, like I'm a yeah. good. I feel like I'm not the best player, but I'm a decent player that I can work the ball. Uh, well, just in golf, from an instruction side of the point, the contact is king. If you're not finding the center of the face, then you need something a little bit more forgiving. And this golf swing changes up day to day. You might be swinging poorly one day, and you might be on your A game the next. Uh, the way I think about it is, and when I like to do my fittings, it's like, look, if you come in with your worst swing and somebody turns around and it's like, oh, I'm not swinging that well today, well, we'll find something that's going to perform on your worst days, and then on your best days, it's going to be even better than what you expected. So I think a lot of people have that you know, idea in their mind they want to play blades, but you're giving up a little bit of distance. And... Uh, Oh yeah, that face that's is a, a lot smaller. It's, <laughs> it's uh, a lot smaller, so it's a little bit harder to find the center of the face, and finding the center face is obviously king, king in the game of golf. Absolutely, that more ball speed comes from center, and you just mm -hmm. get more distance out of more ball speed. Obviously. Absolutely. Now switching gears from like a fitting topic to like just completely off the rails to teaching, because you're a big teacher as well. What is now? Now I know like a lot of different golf instructors. I think everybody has their own teaching philosophy. What, yeah. what is your teaching philosophy? Um, I don't really have a philosophy per se. I mean, everybody swings completely different. Body makes up, body makeups are completely different. But it's what the club's doing, what the body's doing. So there's certain things, you know, that I look for just to start off the lesson. It's obviously what their grip looks like and then what their body's doing throughout the whole swing. And I think the club has, or the body has a lot to do with how the club moves in the golf swing. So if you know, somebody was extremely open with their shoulders, we're going to have a little bit more out to uh, end swing. So we could change up a little bit of the body to essentially help the club out and move it more efficiently and effectively through the golf ball. But my philosophy is pretty, pretty simple. I like to keep it really athletic. Um, there's no certain positions in the golf swings that I really like. I mean, obviously, there's some death moves in the golf swing that I steer people away from. But in general, I'm pretty, I would like to say, organic as far as looking at somebody and saying, well, I had actually, I had somebody in here the other day who broke his back. Oh, my goodness. And I was like, okay, well, we got to protect your back, number one. Like, yeah. That, that is key. Like, I want him to be able to play golf from now until... What, whenever he wants to keep playing, like if he gets to 80 years old and he wants to keep playing, I want him to keep playing. I don't want any kind of injury to hinder his ability to swing a golf club. So obviously we, we go around that and make sure that the way he's swinging is not going to hurt his back. And 
you know, back in the day. If you look at like Jack Nicholas and all these great players, they have this almost like reverse C, and you know, the, you put a lot of a lot of pressure on on your back playing golf, and you put a lot of strain on your body playing golf. So, just looking at areas that you can take away the strain to make it more efficient and uh, keep yourself healthier. How like I know like a couple of uh, other instructors I've talked to. They're big into biomechanics. Yeah. Like, are you, like how much of a biomechanic guy are you keep? Like you mentioned, you were looking at shaft makeups and stuff. Do you still like really invest yourself with like biomechanics and stuff like that? Because mm-hmm. I know other teachers aren't so much into that, but there's a lot that are. Yeah, you need to be really well rounded. Um, I think if you get too invested in one thing, that kind of hurts your, you know, criteria and hurts your makeup as a, a instructor. But yeah, I, I definitely do. But I don't. I think, you know, if you go into biomechanics, there's a lot of big words attached to biomechanics. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't really re- relay big terms to students who are newer to the game or even, you know, yeah. advanced players. It's, it's you got to keep it simple and you've got to make it fun for everybody, no matter who it is. And if you look at, like, Butch Harmon, he keeps it simple, he keeps it fun. His players have great success and... That's where I think coaching and instructing kind of mesh. You know, I've had a lot of great coaches, not just in golf, but in hockey and different sports, and their mentality of working hard, doing whatever it takes to get the job done, and putting forth the effort and encouraging when times are times are rough. I think Butch does that really well with players um, in his stable. As far as you know, Gary Gary Woodland's you know bounced back. He's been phenomenal. And then you have DJ, who's just a different personality. you got to look at the player's personality, too, and go down that path. But I like to consider myself as a, a well-rounded instructor who is a coach, who studies putting, who studies chipping, who studies the full swing, and realizing what it takes to be great at all of those. And I'm nowhere near where I want to be as an instructor. I'm definitely not the best. But I think just being well-rounded from everybody I've talked to and everybody I've watched you got to be able to do it all, and yeah, biomechanics is definitely a part of it, and I think it's a good tool to figure out how how the body physically works during a golf swing, um, but at the end of the day, you got to watch that golf ball and know where it's going to, and being able to help somebody in, you know, a few seconds, change something, make it work. Absolutely. Find the correction and get it done. Yeah, and, and like, in fitting, I know TrackMan comes into the big use when fitting. you get, you got to have those numbers. Yeah. Yeah, but absolutely. in lessons, dude, like, does you want to? Are you a big guy with the the track man during a lesson and doing all this other stuff with numbers, or do you just watch ball flight? Yes and no. Um, depends. Depends on the student. I mean, there's some lessons where I won't even touch technology. <laughs> I have a couple students that hate to see their swings on camera, even though their swings are beautiful. It's the funniest thing in the world. Like they just like, nope, don't want to see it. It's like, all right, that's cool. Like, you don't have to look at it. Like, I just want to see, you know, a few things. Uh, but, no, I watch a lot of ball flight. Ball flight is, if you go back to, you know, the simpler times, I like to kind of kid around with Eric. It's like, those were the simpler times of golf instruction, <laughs> just looking at the ball flight and seeing what the body's doing and seeing what the club's doing and going from there and kind of working backwards. It's always like a puzzle. you got to piece everything together and... It's hard to pick out some things. Like if you get a more advanced player, it's it's a little bit harder. Um, but video, I think, always kind of helps. But you got to do it at the right time too. Mm-hmm. So. so, like you mentioned, going back to simpler times, do you think is technology like 
just all the numbers during a lesson has made it harder to teach or easier? Uh, I mean, I, I think from an instruction side of point, it's easier to teach, but you don't want to overload information to a student. And I think we're all guilty of some point in time of just giving something that the student doesn't need, doesn't want to look at. And that's what I'm saying. you got to go back to the, each, each player's personality. And, you know, we have engineers and scientists that come through here, and it's like, they know numbers. Mm -hmm. They like to see the physics, and yeah, you can pull up the track man and entertain them for a little bit, but you need to look at what what they're doing wrong and fix it. And track man can help with that, and I think it does help a lot. It just depends on the student, though. Just depends on the student. Like just like you were saying, personalities. Like mm -hmm. DJ is a totally different personality than Justin Tom, uh, Thomas. Yeah, and I think you know if you look at DJ, his wedge game got better because he used track man. Just figuring out certain yardages is, is key, too. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you get people coming in, it's like, well, I hit the ball, you know, 300 yards along. It's like, hmm, let's put you on track, man. Let's actually get some realistic numbers here with how far you're, you're carrying the golf ball. And I think that helps a lot, too. Um, and I think at the end of the day, it, it the swing's repeatable and it's putting up low scores. It's all that matters. And... I think if a student can keep building confidence in their swing and their ability, they're only going to be able to get better. So that's kind of the coaching part of the instruction. You've got to instill confidence into that student that they can play the game of golf, they can shoot low numbers, they got all the information they need, but they can't be absorbed with everything track, man, everything biomechanics, everything Sam Putlap. The technology is phenomenal. I love it all, and I use it daily. But you can't get too absorbed into it, and you can't get too attached to it. Now, and and you were saying like just people think they hit the ball 300 yards. Like, has the golf ball like? Uh, it's just another off the rails topic here. But I know there's another hot topic in the industry where it's the golf ball has improved and advanced so much and evolved that they're wanting to dial it back. What is your opinion on that? Honestly, don't don't do it. I I mean, from the the way the technology has become. I think it's great that everyone's getting more distance. That seeing a tour player, Justin Thomas hit one this week, this past weekend, and went 374. Like, that is, like, unbelievably cool to see. Like, not everybody can do that. But I understand, like, golf architecture, some of these courses are playing a little bit shorter, and they're having to expand and lengthen the courses, which is fine. But I think what really gets people to go, and it's, like, attractive to see is... A long ball, like hitting it 374, is unbelievable. Yeah, and that's why long drive championships and tournaments are around. And seeing those guys, it's like when it's on TV, I'm watching it. Oh, absolutely. Like those yeah. guys, club head speeds in the 150s and <laughs> ball ball speeds up to like 200s. It's unbelievable, and it's so much fun to watch. So I don't think um, taking away the length would be a good idea, just in the sense that I don't think it would attract people to the game. So, it's like, there's another <coughs> thing going on there where it's, like, more people, I think, are, are tuned into fitness as well. Do yeah. you think that's had, that's had a big impact on, on the lengthening of the golf ball? Or, yeah. Or lengthening the, the distance of a drive rather than the technology itself? Absolutely. I mean, fitness is key no matter what sport you're doing. And then you think about longevity, being able to play the game longer. Uh, that's something that I think everybody should strive for just to be a better person and feel a lot better and 
but yeah, I think it does influence the golf swing and how far people are hitting it. Do you think it's more fitness rather than technology, or more technology than fitness? <laughs> I mean, it's got to be fitness. If you look at some of these guys, I mean, back in the day, um, nobody was hitting the gym until like Tiger came around. And yeah, the Tiger era kind of sparked the the people who wanted to get fit. Now. Yeah, and if you look at some of these Instagram videos of these guys lifting, it's like, holy cow! That's like they're doing workouts that are extreme. They're lifting extreme amount of weights. They're insanely strong. Yeah. They're flexible. They have great balance. It's it's finally, you know, between technology and fitness, it's finally come together where you're able to hit the ball so far. Now, you know, that's the fitness has also evolved. Where do you see the industry as a whole, as a whole, evolving too? Where do you see that kind of going? Uh, it's a great direction right now. We just had the drive chip butt here uh, this past Thursday, I want to say, and seeing the youth, so many players, it was unbelievable. So many, so many girls came out, and I think we're heading in the right direction, and I think beyond you know just what we do as PGA professionals but what everyone is doing on the tour and seeing the different personalities that people can relate to and seeing you know all these different players that are really good and you never know who's going to win each and every week I think that draws a lot more people to the game because it's fun to watch absolutely yeah I think especially with all these programs that are in place I mean just my personal opinion I think with the uh, evolution of top golf kind of like a but you know, people compare it to bowling. Mm -hmm. Top golf is like the bowling for golf. It's it's making people want to go out and play and have a good time. And if yeah. they get that bug, we've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. And then with drive, chip, and putt, numbers are increasing. How much do you think the tour has impacted at the moment? Like, because we had the Tiger era where it was really having where Tiger was influencing a lot of people. Where do you think who's in, who's influencing who's on the tour influencing players now? Um, that's that's a tough question. I mean, there's so many. I mean, there's a long list, and it's not one person in particular. It's multiple people, and there's multiple things that are driving the game to where it is and where it should be. Now, you're a t you're an instructor, you're a fitter, you're a club builder. Where do you see yourself going into the future? Do you see your where, where do you want your future to go? Uh, you know, hopefully one day, knock on wood, I can make it to director of instruction position and hopefully become a top 100 instructor. Um, you know, time will tell, but I got a lot, a lot of work in front of me um, from teaching uh, more lessons to studying and immersing myself more into the game. Now, as just a little bit final word here, what advice would you give a PGM student as, as one who's been through the PGM program, what advice would you give uh, a student going through the, the PGM process now? Um, it's, there's a lot of things. I mean, I think just working hard and understanding that you're going to have to do some, some things that you don't want to do. Um, there's a couple times I, I remember it was like there was a toilet that needed cleaning up and nobody was around to do it. And it was like, all right, like it's got to get done. Like people are coming, there's, you know, members and guests are coming out got to get done. It doesn't matter. Like, I'll do it. Um, it's always not going to be glamorous. There's going to be some times where it's it's pretty rough, but, you know, this is a business that's awesome. It's a business that I couldn't imagine ever leaving, and it's a business that I have so many friends and so many different connections that it just feels amazing. So in the long run, just do whatever it takes to get the job done. Learn as much as you possibly can, um, no matter if it's from somebody that 
doesn't know that much about golf but knows a lot about business or if it's somebody that is really good at teaching or if somebody's really good at running tournaments or merchandising just learn learn and absorb as much as you possibly can uh, that would be my number one thing awesome. I would say well thank you Patrick I appreciate it um, this is this has been a really good uh, first podcast I thank you for being the first one yeah absolutely thanks for having me Ted it's been fun alrighty uh, that's episode one. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.